economics is the study of human choice in the world we live. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. By investigating faith in economics, we can learn how they lead to human flourishing. This is the Faith in Economics podcast, a presentation of the Gortney Institute at Ottawa University. Welcome to our show today. I'm Nate Johnson, the producer and graduate assistant for the Gortney Institute. Today on our show, we have Dr. Russ McCullough, the founder of the Gortney Institute and Wayne Angel Chair of Economics. We also have Dr. Justin Clark, the Menard Family Professor of Philosophy and Ethics. And finally, Dr. Peter Jacobson, the Gordney Professor of Economic Education and Research. All right. Well, GameStop has been all over the news, along with the armies of social media Reddit type people buying up Wall Street and taking over things. And so we thought there's a lot of interesting narratives that maybe not everybody's talked about and the media hasn't talked about it faith and economics and morals and collective action and the little guy versus the big guy and all kinds of fun stuff that we thought this would be a great topic to hit. And so, Peter, you want to start us off and talk about what what happened just to tee it up? Sure. So this is mostly in reference to GameStop, but there are a few other stocks like AMC and a couple others of these maybe like stocks that people feel like are on the way out, like GameStop, especially with games moving virtual. A lot of investors think, well, this company's not here to stay. It's going to go under. As a result, a lot of big hedge funds took out shorts on GameStop. And you can look into that a little bit yourself, but basically it's a bet that the value of GameStop is going to go down. And let, let me just comment briefly on what a hedge fund is. You've got at most by law, 99 people that are all, let's call them fat cats, very wealthy people, usually minimum net worth of a million, or they're putting in a million to start the hedge fund. So it's a group of investors that are very wealthy and they have these funds and they they have a lot of, they're not sanctioned or not regulated heavily by the SEC because they figure if you're going to lose your money, you're going to lose your money. You're a savvy investor. So I just thought I'd bring that up that they're a little bit different than the average, certainly the average Joe on Robinhood buying stocks. And so the hedge funds, you can kind of think of big Wall Street, millionaire, billionaire types are definitely who's a part of the owners of these hedge funds. Yeah. Thank you, Russ. That, that, that was a good input to the conversation. So the listeners have an idea, you know, who's the, the two people in this battle, sort of a David and Goliath battle, you might even say. <laughs> yeah, there's our faith component. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. And so basically what happened is publicly, this wasn't like a secret backdoor deal or anything, but publicly a bunch of people on the internet website, Reddit, which is like a big social network where the users are, you know, potentially anonymous. They can be if they'd like to be though they have usernames, so they have names on the website, but it's not attached to their actual identity. They got together and said, hey, if we buy GameStop and we drive the price up and because we like this stock, we like GameStop. A lot of these people are gamers. And so there's a lot of like memes and jokes about this. If we drive up the value, what that's going to do is it's going to force those people who sold short, who are betting the value is going to go down to buy the stock themselves. Because if they don't, they're going to lose a, mod- a lot of money as the stock price goes up because their short becomes less and less and less and less valuable as the stock price goes up because they were betting on it to go down when they shorted it. And so that's exactly what happens. At a low price of like $7, these Redditors started to buy GameStop and they forced the price up and the short sellers did relinquish their short position. They bought in and this is called a short squeeze. They bought into GameStop and the value rose up to $300. So a lot of people made a lot of money on this and now it's it's starting to fall again. And so now it's at about 90. It's been up and down over the past week or so, but it's at about 90 now, but still obviously well above the $7 that it was. And so that's kind of the background that we have here is just a bunch of people who aren't, you know, the fat cats got in and bought the stock and forced a lot of millionaires and billionaires to lose money and, you know, sort of pay these people. Justin, why don't you explain to the listeners a little bit on these little guy versus the big guy thing and uh, maybe the the motives 
that they might have had. Yeah, so, and I'm, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, because I'm going to say a couple of things about what happened with the, the short position. But it's, it is my understanding that, you know, a couple of Reddit users, and one of them, you know, the main person is called Deep, some other word, and then Value. Um, <laughs> and anybody can figure out his actual name if you go look on there. But let's call this gentleman Deep Value. He noticed that GameStock was one of the most heavily shorted companies. And in fact, he noticed that a bunch of head buns had taken out so many short positions that they would actually, in fact, be impossible to deliver on their promise to buy back that amount of shares because that amount of shares was not in existence. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know so, that part of it. I, yeah, so, I might add on to that, that when you take a short position, you can have infinite losses because if, if the stock goes up like it did, you have to pay your person you borrowed the shares back. You have to make good on your position. And so these guys were really vulnerable. I didn't even, I didn't remember that piece of the puzzle that they were that vulnerable, that there wasn't yes. enough shares to even buy. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. So these Redditors noticed, hey, look, we can buy up this, we can bid up this stock price. All these, all these hedge funds, they are going to have to deliver us these shares when the time comes due. And all we have to do is wait until this due date comes up. When they buy back these shares to pay us, that's going to drive the stock price even higher too. Now, if we take a second and think about what the hedge funds were doing when they shorted GameStock, like Peter said, they noticed that this company was operating, had a business practice in a sector that they thought was dying. And so they noticed, hey, I bet I can make a little money because I think that this company has made a bad decision, right? It's a bad allocation of their resources. And that's fine, right? Now you might say, well, look, it seems kind of mean that a bunch of billionaires are betting that GameStop is going to fail. And in fact, when a hedge fund takes out a short position on GameStop, it might actually increase their chance of failure, right? Because that short position itself might lower GameStop's stock. And we might think, well, uh, GameStop employs people. That might be bad for the people of GameStop. GameStop. I did it all the time. I I didn't even want to correct you again. I I was going to mention it it later. People people are using that nickname anyway. I think everybody's doing it. I think they're calling it GameStop. One of those tongue twisters. But, and it seems to me like, well, if we want markets to operate freely and we are willing to say it's okay for firms to do that, right? Because it is something like, you know, clearing out about an underbrush in a forest the way that, you know, periodic forest fires do, right? And we need this, the market to have this function in order to increase the efficiency of allocated capital. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I also might add to that, I'm not anti-hedge fund. In fact, I think hedge funds actually serve the function of keeping Wall Street more honest, which is almost kind of counterintuitive, but there are lots of hedge funds out there. And they all don't care about each other, right? They're not all working together. So they're very competitive. And if they think one hedge fund made a bad bet on one, they're going to do the opposite. Guaranteed, Mm -hmm. they are at each other's throats. Greed is alive and well. And as long as there's healthy competition among hedge funds, this all just helps make markets more efficient so that the price actually reflects the real value of the company. Yes. Great. And so, but notice that what we just described the hedge funds is doing now let's describe what the Redditors did. And they noticed that these hedge funds made a mistake, right? Or at least made a decision that is exploitable. 
exploitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they had a bit of savviness to even get to understanding that they were vulnerable. Right. Yeah. And now it's interesting that, you know, like you said, hedge funds aren't all in it together. We can imagine another hedge fund doing that to the hedge, the hedge fund that had majorly shorted a game stock, uh, game stonk. Right. <laughs> And I actually think if, if we just had hedge funds doing this to each other, you actually wouldn't have heard, it, heard anything about it. Right, um, right. Hedge funds do this kind of thing to each other all the time. Yeah. Um, but what happened is we, we had, you know, the unwashed masses of Reddit <laughs> dare to poke the, this the hedge fund. High school kids, college <laughs> kids, millennials of all ages. So. Yeah. And so look, in the same way that the hedge fund can say, you know, this is this is the way the market works, right? I really think that if we are going to to say that that's okay, then we have to be willing to say to the hedge fund when they get caught with their pants down, you know, you made a mistake, brah. And <laughs> look, the way the market works is you have to eat that now. Yeah. And so what I think a lot of people found very, very objectionable was that it seemed like everyone was perfectly okay with these hedge funds uh, taking this extremely overly short position in GameStonk. And then, but suddenly they all got the vapors once uh, people on Reddit started attacking this hedge fund. So much so that Robinhood suspended investors' ability to purchase GameStop for mm-hmm. at least a 24-hour period. Yeah, and apparently for some people and not everybody, which I don't know if that ever proved up, but I, that's what I heard. Well, they didn't suspend your ability to trade GameStop, GameStop, right? They suspended your ability to buy it and mm-hmm. said, you are permitted to sell it. Oh, really? And that's kind of weird, right? Because you would think on a site where there are sellers, well, there must be buyers too, right? <laughs> so if they are permitting it to be sold, but not to be bought, that raises a number of questions. And if you are only permitting the sell of an, the sale of an asset, yeah. well, we know that when assets get net sold rather than bought, what does that effect have on their price? It's been a long time since I've had Econ 101, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it depresses it. Yeah. And in an environment when a hedge fund is saying, you know, we really need this price to go down or else we'll be totally, totally boned, right? For this company, Robinhood, whose name is Robinhood, (laughs) Robin from from the rich to actually, you know, help the poor, whose motto is we need to democratize finance, for them to take a step, which seems at first blush to visibly only be helping the fattest of the fat cats. I think that was another log in this raging fire of populist anger that we have seen just boiling for the past five years. Yeah, and I I agree with Justin, especially at that tail point there. You know, I have a lot of friends from a lot of different political circles. Um, Most of my closest friends are actually way far to the left of me, some extremely far to the left, even relative to the average person. All of them are upset. No, I have Trump supporting friends. All of them are upset. I don't know, actually, in my life, a single person <laughs> who thought that this was a bad thing that was happening. That is that Reddit was doing this to the hedge. Everyone I know was celebrating this. And like, even if they weren't on it, they were saying, ah, this is cool. This is great. Like, this is what these companies do all the time. I'm glad normal people can do this. 
But the, you know, you look at the statements by the Securities and Exchanges Commission, you look at the things out of Wall Street and, you know, some of the elites and some of the news media articles saying that this was endemic of Trumpism. And what, what was happening here was, you know, Trumpism manifested in financial markets. And it's like, you know, my friends who are on the far left certainly hope that's not the case because they supported this too. And so I, I think it's it's very odd, and I agree with Justin, it's very odd that these people on, on top in society, the people in government, the people in the media, uh, the New York Times, and the, the people in these financial institutions are all saying, oh, this is the worst thing ever. This is mob violence, basically. And everyday people are just like, no, this is great. And like, you know, you've exposed yourself to this and you sort of get what you deserve. And, and I actually think the model of democratizing finance is a little ironic. I think Robinhood actually held pretty true to their motto because democratization of finance looks like the Securities and Exchanges uh, Commission. That's the people vote for that. What people don't <laughs> vote for is the market. And so I'm in, I'm in favor of marketization of markets or finance. <laughs> that is people buying and selling if they want to. That's what Robinhood actually does. Very much opposed to the actions taken by or, or the attempted, you know, movement of actions by the Securities and Exchanges Commission. I don't think they've done anything yet, but there are statements coming out that make them say, oh, we're going to look into preventing things like this in the future. You know, yeah. this is too dangerous. Yeah. And I am against that. I, I think that the, our democracy has created a very ugly thing in financial markets through the SEC. Yeah. And so back to the information problem, they, the hedge funds now are just going to have to take this into account, which would say maybe we shouldn't take a short position that's so strong as Justin illustrated earlier that there's not enough shares to actually make good on it, right? I'm vulnerable. So then the market correction, the market mechanism as Peter's bringing up is they're gonna learn from that mistake and they're not gonna do it again because they lost billions. And I, but at the same time, I think a lot of these you know regular people that are jumping in on, on riding the bandwagon, they're gonna learn some lessons too. There's a lot of people holding, holding the stock at a hundred and, yeah. and it very well is going to come back down to 20 or something, whatever the long-term value of, of GameStop ultimately ends up being. And so they're going to learn a few life lessons too. And so everybody's going to learn that, hey, we're kind of potentially playing with fire if I jump on the Reddit bandwagon for the next stock next year, whatever that looks like. Maybe I don't want to play that game. It was fun when I was up $1,000 and I put my $500 as a student, as a college student, and that $500 was a lot of money and I put it in and it was sure fun when I had the 1500 but I ended up doubling down again and lost it all, right? And so they just start to learn that it's a bit of a gamble. So I think there's information flowing to all sides here and, it, and it's uh, ultimately going to be better for the market. I think we'll have a healthier market without any government, you know, ruling coming down. So I think the, the heavy hand there is what we'd want to avoid. So, and, and, you know, I, before we hop into a break or anything, I, I just want to say one of the really interesting things that has come out of this is that some people are, are losing money, uh, but they're continuing to hold on. And it seems like they're holding on out of spite towards these agencies that have tried to undermine this, like Robinhood preventing, you know, selling. Actually, the price went up after Robinhood announced that it initially went down because people couldn't buy it. But people found their workarounds and they started buying it again and the price went up. So I think this is a really interesting thing that we don't often, sometimes, but we don't often have culture strong enough that rather than vote for, you know, certain policies or certain financial institutions to change, people actually spend money to change them and spend money out of spite and actually are willing to like lose money to, to send a message. Yeah. In the stock market, I think that's almost unheard of. And so I think that's a really interesting cultural development that we can talk about later. Yeah, that's a great, great cliffhanger to bring in these ulterior motives as we become wealthier and wealthier on living off spite. And maybe that sounds like a faith component coming in there, too, of whether that's healthy as human beings for uh, flourishing or not. So with that cliffhanger, we'll be back in just a bit. 
By 2030, the Gordon Institute will be known for its alumni, supporters, and participants who incorporate economic understanding with their faith in their careers, vocations, communities, and personal lives. The Institute will be a nationally recognized source for knowledge and contributions to students' experience, society's understanding of private and public solutions to poverty, and the overlap of markets, governance, and faith. Young audiences will look to the Institute for challenging and engaging education on faith and economics. The Gordon Institute at Ottawa University is the best place in the Midwest for students interested in freedom and justice and its impact on human flourishing, faith and economics in action. We just got done with a presentation to our freshman and sophomore students, about a crowd of around 300, where Justin opened up talking about thinking about thinking and critical thinking and causation versus correlation and had a fabulous thing on just thinking your way through things and being ready to analyze the world as we see it, as we get led and sometimes misled with things that are stated. And then Peter and I wrapped up with efficient markets and talking how really hard, actually impossible to beat the market systematically over the long run. And so there's some great financial products out there that students can use to build their wealth long-term. If you or someone you know is looking for a college that does stuff like that, contact Peter or Russ or Justin today. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. If you use iTunes, please consider giving us a five-star review. It helps other people find us. We'd like to do a mailbag episode, so please send your questions to info at GourtneyInstitute.org. All right, Peter, you teed us up with a nice little cliffhanger there. Why don't you relieve us of our anxiety and what you were thinking? Yeah, so I think this whole episode illustrates a really interesting thing. Reddit's pretty well known for being like a mostly left-wing site. A lot of Bernie Sanders fans on Reddit, you know, if you went to the front page, lots of celebration when Joe Biden won the presidency. They they, they dislike Trump a lot. Of course, you know, there's many people on Reddit. It's so not everyone is left-wing, but it's, it's certainly the median person is relatively left-wing, probably more left than the average Democrat in the United States. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it, pretty pretty obvious. If you go to like their, their news subreddit, it's all news about like the right doing bad things and the left doing good things. I mean... It's, it's pretty deep in there. And so interestingly enough, you know, I think what's going on is a little bit of market populism right now. And by market populism, I mean that people are using free markets. They're using the fact that we can have private ownership of capital, which is what buying a stock is. It's private ownership of capital, aka capitalism. They're using capitalism to beat the elites or, you know, these very rich fat cats. Uh, that's essentially what happens here. The people standing in the way of this are the result of democratic socialism, essentially. That is, the Securities and Exchanges Commission was founded by a, a democratically voted president, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And so FDR was elected, he created the Securities and Exchange Commission, and the Securities and Exchange Commission has control of you know, some capital flows. They, they have some sort of control over the capital and society. And so this literally is economic democracy or, or uh, democratic socialism. Which was response to the stock market crash in 1929. That, that's right. Great yeah. Depression era. So we're kind of, oh, we got to protect the people. And that's where a lot of those programs. That's right. So I just wanted to point out that I, I think the really interesting thing here is that this is people using capitalism to fight against the fat cats. And the biggest defender of the fat cats seems to be the result of democratic socialism. Which is, I think, what the Gordon Institute in general would support. That's what we exactly want is voluntary behavior to overcome what's perceived to be bad. And if you can persuade enough other people to fight the fight with you, so to speak, then it's all voluntary. Whereas if, as soon as the, whether it's the fat cats on Wall Street or otherwise convince the government of their cause and then get government funding or government change to regulations or policy, that is down the coercion path. 
That's right. And that's much different than a market response. Yeah. One of the things that I think has been super interesting, and this is right in line with what both Peter and Russ are saying, is that I think that you are seeing, you know, political coalitions crumble and be reimagined. So Glenn Greenwald, for instance, who is one of my favorite journalists, he is on the left, right? He is one of the people who broke the Snowden story and then moved to Brazil, where he lives with his husband and runs a dog shelter. But he, he also founded The Intercept, which he was recently kicked off of for you know, not being, you know, up to what his current day beliefs ought to be according to the people who he hired. He had a tweet that said, it's worth considering that there is now a very sizable and well-financed institutional left that includes foundation-funded advocacy groups, online media platforms, and even elected officials. Yet they had absolutely nothing to do with the greatest blow in years to Wall Street. It came from, from Reddit and Wall Street bets. Yeah. And this is right in line with what Peter was saying about that this is a kind of market populism. And you have people who do want to stick it to some hedge funds who they think are, uh, you know, driving a company out of business unfairly, or who they think are just kind of profiting from, uh, you know, moving money around at the expense of the companies with which they are kind of exploiting, right? And these people say, look, if they can make money by moving money around, guess what? So can we. Mm -hmm. And I think that what we have also seen is that the response to this by the elite on both the right and the left has been really revealing, right? So you had like the New York Times, I think, called them, you know, it, who is, who's doing this? It's the Bernie bros and the MAGA maniacs. <laughs> I mean, that's who they described these people as in their reporting. I don't know if you could... Can you sense the scorn that is dripping down from these, you know, these New York Times, you know, oh, God forbid we, uh, you know, we slander the New York Times, but it just seems to me like the elite's scorn for regular Americans daring to play the game at which they, you know, are profiting and, yeah. and have been playing for years is, is really revealing. Yeah, so this market populism, I don't know. Did you just make that up? or is I'm that, sure someone's used might, it before, but I, 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 I did just say it. This might be a new... Justin claims full credit. credit for that. I might have to look that up, but I kind of like that. And, you know, I was reminded of environmental causes. And so economists come up with ways to identify how much carbon monoxide is being pumped up, and it's actually traded on Wall Street. And if somebody feels strong enough that carbon monoxide is harming the environment, they can actually buy it, the, the right to pollute is what it is, and not do it. And so that's a market response where people have to kind of put their money where their mouth is, which some people wouldn't necessarily like because it is easier to get the government on board with you and, and force your way into it. But I think market populism would promote that type of thing. If, we, if property rights can be identified, let people through their own voluntary efforts help to change the world, you know, and that's what these Reddit people did is they pooled their resources in different ways and are able to make a pretty good dent on Wall Street. It's kind of kind of cool. I, I will say I'll qualify now because that's a good point about whether or not this has been used before. So this term was coined by Thomas Frank, apparently. I don't know any of his work. And so I'm using this in a way that might not be the same as how he's using it. And so if yeah. there's an alternative interpretation of market populism, I, again, I just put those words together. Yes. As um, usual, we like to go off the cuff here on the Gorton Institute yeah. podcast. So, and I hope that's why you're listening, uh, people, because it's kind of fun. It's fun, hopefully fun for you. It's certainly fun for us. That's why we keep doing it, even if there's only one of you out there. And we know the data shows there's more than one. So. <laughs>
Nate, you had an example. Yeah. What I find most interesting about this is just being the young guy, I guess. I guess Peter's young with me as well, but <laughs> being really young here, seeing how much the youth has been invested in the story, I think, seeing it on social media and seeing my friends back from high school. They wanted to get in it. They got Robin Hood. They've downloaded the app because Robin Hood's app downloads increased by thousands, hundreds of thousands. People wanted to get into this, but they, of course, Robin Hood stopped and I'm glad they didn't invest because they probably would have lost money at that point. But yeah, it's really interesting. My sister even called me and she asked, what's going on? It's a lot of people who aren't, who have never even heard about the stock market or stocks or know anything about it. It's, it's really interesting to see how much of the youth is now interested into knowing about what's going on with the yeah. GameStop and everything like that. And you said you had a friend that actually wanted to get buy Robinhood, but wasn't able to because of what we talked about earlier. Yeah, Robinhood yeah, pulled, yeah. pulled the plug on buys. They, they pulled the plug on the GameStop buys, so he wasn't able to buy any stock. Which might have made him money, basically, assuming yeah. he was going to put it in. He was, right? yep. One thing to tie back to, to match that comment with Peter's comment earlier about that it's interesting that Rusty said people were expecting to lose money in some in some of the cases <laughs> right, here, right? right? Yeah. And I have seen at least just anecdotally a lot of tweets from people saying, "I don't care if I lose money. That I wasn't buying uh, right. to try to make yeah. money, right? Yeah. I was buying to try to make a point, right, mm. or to be part of something." Yeah. And I actually think that you know, just to tie all of my insane theories together, <laughs> wow, I really think powerful. that the lockdown has had a role in contributing to this yeah. because when you deny young people the ability to get together, to play sports, to join together into kind of like, you know, team and collective behavior, oh, be to be a part of like a movement or anything like that, you know, don't be surprised when they find an alternative way to do this. That's and when they're yeah. actually, you know, and when the people that they can you know, stick, an eye, stick a finger in their eye are the people that they see who absolutely aren't being affected by these policies at all either. I mean, I don't know about, I mean, I've seen very few hedge fund people complaining about how badly, you know, lockdown policies have hurt, you know, your ability to profit as a hedge fund. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. I mean, sports, competition, these are like ancient rituals. This is like, you know, tale as old as humanity. And so, you know, one thought is like, maybe if we force people to stay apart, these will just go away. Another thought is that actually there's something deeply embedded in humanity that makes them want to do things like this, have these like competitions and, you know, working together and things like that. And that's going to rise to the top no matter what you do to people. And I think, I just, I think that's a great point. I think you're right. And actually, you know, in the Bible, this is mentioned too. And so I do want to say that Proverbs provides a particularly good verse. And I don't think, by the way, biblically, I don't think this is Proverbs saying that this is necessarily a good thing. It's just describing something that's true about humanity. So I can't a, wait for you to do this quote. So should we buy or should we sell? <laughs> we're, we're holding, we're hanging on. With I, the I, I'm not quarter. going to claim the Bible tells you to buy GameStop. <laughs> uh, I don't think you'll find that in there. But Proverbs 11 verse 10 says, when it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there are shouts of gladness. And I really, so I really think that, th again, this isn't the Bible saying you should, you know, rejoice in the fall of your enemies or the Bible saying you should have spite for the wicked. You know, you'd have to go to other verses to determine what the Bible says about that. But I think the Bible does describe humanity very well, yeah. which is that we do rejoice in like, you know, people who have done us wrong and getting their just due as well. And so there, there is an interesting moral question that Russ talked about earlier, whether or not we should try to spite our enemies and I would sidestep that in this particular case by saying, you know, you don't have to think of this as fighting the enemies. It really could just be like you want to support GameStop. 
And, you know, you want to have the option to make money. And I think those are good enough reasons to say that this was a good thing. I'm in, I'm in a fan of this. Uh, you know, you go to the subreddit right now and a lot the, the common comments is not like, I'm worried that it's falling now. It's a lot of people saying we like the stock. Like the, that's the refrain on all the subreddits. We like the stock. And I'm in favor. I think value subjective. I think that people should be able to value GameStop's capital highly because they like GameStop. I think that's a totally legitimate value just as much as anything else. Yeah, and all these um, ulterior motives of new people stepping to the plate. I mean, Wall Street's kind of crying about it now because the, the Wall Street elites, you know, and they might be great people. So, I, you know, I'm using these type of words just because right. that's what's popular. But uh, they, they, the, the word down the street was smart money versus dumb money. And so the smart money is the guys who, guys and uh, gals who are in it day by day analyzing. They know the market. They know all the tips and tricks and blah, blah, blah. And the dumb money is the retail investors that might not even be that dumb, but people who are just kind of trying to manage their own stuff and they're they're not really in the know. And then certainly people that are just jumping on to herd mentality stuff. And so Wall Street has always had to take that into account, but they've generally been able to take advantage of the dumb money if there's movements one way or the other. And so they're the ones that actually know the deep inside tricks of in and out on how to exploit that. And so here we've had that turn totally upside down and I think of it as sometimes with Texas Hold'em. So I used to play a decent amount. I haven't played it for a while, but it, it's a fun game. And if you know what to do, you can increase the probability of winning. Like if you know how to play the game, you know what cards you should play, when you should fold them, when you should go for it. And you take the chances on a bluff every now and then. But when you sit down to a table that's especially a low stakes table, if you go to Vegas or something, and a lot of people are just coming in to have fun, right? And so you have kind of a novice sitting down to the table for the first time at Texas Hold'em, and that can throw your whole game out of whack. You might know every proper way inside and out to play. Somebody holds on to a four and a six and they play the game and the flop comes up with two sixes and a four or something and they can wipe you out even though you played the game perfectly. Having those new people that aren't as experienced at the table is something even the best players have to take into account. And now they have to take that into account. Yeah. This new innovation. There's a, a Keynes quote, which is the market can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. Right? Ah. Uh, and I've seen that quote <laughs> heard that one. reappropriated by some Redditors recently when people were saying, they're not, they're not buying this because of the valuations, the stock valuations. <laughs> right. And the Redditor response was, I'm going to translate this into something that's not I don't know expletives in it. We can stay dumb longer than you can stay solvent. Right? And it, which just goes back to Peter's idea that uh, you know they're they might not be when they're investing, they're not paying for a future profit. They might be paying to punish the hedge fund. Right. And I've all, you know one of the other more famous memes uh, recently was uh, you know some some meme of a, a woman and a man and she is crying and saying honey, can you please sell so that we can be millionaires? And his response is, no, they have to pay. Right? <laughs> um, which is, again, this idea that I'm not, I'm not investing in this to make money, right? Yeah. And that's what Redditor, that, that deep value guy is apparently doing right now, is I think we mentioned before the show we were talking and we mentioned how I think at one point his shares were worth someone, I think maybe Nate said 14 million. Yeah. And, yeah. That, and now they're worth a lot less, obviously, at the price of 90. But he's apparently, and unless he's like really faking it, holding on to it. And I think this gets back to a quote by Ludwig von Mises. And I think listeners, if you're ever interested in economics, I think the Austrian School of Economics is a very important group to look into. 
which Mises is one, rather than Keynes. And so I like that Keynes quote, actually. I think there's some truth in there. But Mises would even say that, you know, it's not that the market's being irrational. It's just that sometimes it's rational for people to have non-monetary values of things. You know, you can have religious values and these other things that cost you money, but that you value more. And I, I think what we're seeing in the real world is like that's playing out in a way that people aren't willing to just turn everything into dollars. And there's some things that people value more than dollars, at least at the prices that we have right now. And certainly a function of our wealthy, prosperous society that I, I, I've got, right. I make a hundred thousand a year. I can, I can throw 10,000 on this for fun or, or your guy holding the 14 million. If he's worth 120 million already, yeah, eh, 14 mils. Yeah. I don't care that uh, for these purposes, right? Yeah, he's got no. plenty of other resources to live his life. And, and that brings him more joy at the margin to do this uh, particular move than, than any profit motive that yeah. would have been there. So I think the bottom line is we, we want people to have these freedoms. We should move away from governments adding more restrictions. Everybody should have these freedoms. And I think these new technologies like Robinhood allows more and more people with less and less resources to still be able to participate and they should be able to participate in those things. So any last other words? All right, well, this has been a production of the Gorton Institute here at Ottawa University. We certainly appreciate all you listening and please Go to the five-star rating if you can. If you want to give us one star, eh, don't do that. But uh, five stars are great for people finding us. So if you like what you hear, tell your friends about it. We certainly appreciate you. Other than that, be fruitful and multiply. Thanks.